Welcome to the Silver Screen Podcast. I'm Jared Boomer. And I'm Katie Ganey West. This is a podcast about movies and pop culture. And today reviewing a movie that is on Amazon Prime, the Oscar nominations. We're going to talk about those. This movie was nominated for a few Oscars. That's Being the Ricardos, starring Nicole Kidman as Lucille Ball. So all about I Love Lucy. Yes. Which is an interesting topic, but I don't think executed extremely well by Aaron Sorkin. So mm-hmm. we'll touch on that more as we as we get into our review. Also, we want to apologize off the top for our <laughs> big gap. We had so first off, Katie's computer broke. She had to Died. get a new computer. And then <laughs> it we was were about, time. And then we were about to record and I said, Hey, I think my microphone's broken. <laughs> it was. So I had to get a new microphone. So here we are with all this should be the best sounding episode you've ever heard. It's all new equipment. (laughs) But we just wanted you to know about our dedication. But it was all tech. It was like everything broke at the same time. Um, My laptop, I had suspected it was dying or near death because it had been showing some signs. Uh, I was not prepared to buy a new laptop, but I'm kind of excited to have one now. And then I've also, before this, but within the last few months, I also bought a second microphone and headphones because I thought I needed those. Turns out it was more than likely the computer problem. But now I have like two of everything and Jared and I should be up and running. But we we are sorry for the delay in episodes. We should be good to go. If you'd like to donate at our Patreon for all of our technical <laughs> we expenses, one. we don't have one, but we can, if we want to, at the end of the episode, we'll just give out our personal Venmos and then, you know, very good. You if send people, us money. Yeah. <laughs> if people ask, we could just say this was our spring break. Yes, exactly. Right. This was our spring break. So we do very have, good. one thing that was helpful though, uh, in the off period is the Oscar nominations came out. So that's yes. going to set up our schedule for the next couple of weeks. So a lot of the films that were nominated, we'll be talking about over the next couple of weeks so that you will be prepared before the Oscars happen in March. So some of the big nominations, we had a lot of first time nominees, but the, the movie that got the most nominations was the power of the dog with 12 and we do have an episode on that if you want to go back yes. and listen to it. But that is the movie. That was kind of surprising to me that that one was the one that snagged the most nominations. So I don't know that I'm surprised. I'm really excited for Jane Campion. She's a female director. I'm pumped. She's the only female that's nominated this year for directing. But She's Jared, also the this- only female that's been nominated twice for directing <gasps> as well. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I will tell you, I am really excited about this movie and this might surprise you jared but the longer the more time that has passed since we did that episode the more i find myself thinking and liking that movie thinking about the movie and liking it so i wouldn't say it was my favorite we talked about that on our recent episode about our favorites for the year that wasn't my favorite but it was in my top 10 and i do think the things that bothered me about it i could get over like if i had to watch it again i could definitely do it yeah, so I think it was, I mean, it's a solid choice. We'll talk about the Best Picture nominees, too, here in a minute, but it's nominated for Best Picture. But, yeah, it's interesting. It's a Western, which you don't see done much nowadays. Mm-hmm. It has great performances, which a lot of those were nominated for Oscars. So some of the first-time nominees for the Academy, Kristen Stewart got nominated for Spencer. That was pretty much expected. Um, I've seen that movie. You have not. It's okay. No, but I'm going to. She's it's on Hulu. probably the best part of it, honestly. Um it's just not, there's not a lot going on, honestly. It's just, just there's not a lot, of, ton of plot in that movie. So yeah. I think that's she's the one thing one that frustrated people, me. <laughs> yeah, she's just one of those people I don't love. So I, I mean, I guess I'm happy for her, but she, 
Yeah. She also, turn your trivia. volume up when you watch it because she talks at a decibel of like oh. very super quiet, and the whole she like whispers through the whole movie basically. So wow. well, I love Diana, so I yeah. think I'm definitely gonna watch it, but. She's just not my favorite person. Yeah. Kristen so Stewart. also getting first time nominees, we had Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog, Kirsten Dunst, Kirsten Dunst for The Power of the Dog as well. Also Troy Kotzer for Coda. This is the first deaf male that's been nominated for an acting Oscar, which is very Amazing. cool. So yeah. he's great in Coda. Uh, we also had Cody Smith McPhee get nominated for Power of the Dog. Ariana DeBose got nominated for West Side Story. And it's the first time two actors of color were nominated for the same role. Rita Morano, who is in the new West Side Story, but Ariana DeBose is playing her character from yes, the first movie Anita. in this film. So they've both been nominated for that role, which is very cool to see. So also getting nominated, Kieran Hines for Belfast. Injune Ellis got nominated. And then Jesse Buckley, also a first-time nominee as well. So Yes. I think... Um, Anjanue Ellis, I think she plays the mom. You've seen King Richard, Jared, and I haven't seen it yes. yet, but I she, looked her up. I think that's what she plays. Yeah, she does mom. play the mother in that movie, which I was kind of surprised at that nomination because she's not in the movie super long. It's more okay. focused on Will Smith and then the two girls that play Venus and Serena. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of surprised that she did get a nomination because she maybe is on screen for 20, 25 minutes in that movie. Yeah. But she does do a good job in her performance, so cool definitely believable so um then we had some snubs people that did not get nominated for their performances the big one is denis villeneuve not getting a directing nomination for dune even though dune got numerous other nominations especially that's a lot upsetting. of technical nominations yeah i think that was the only one that i was like that's inappropriate like that that to me is a real snub everybody else i'm like yeah that that sucks but that one upset me yeah i saw a lot of people on social media being pretty upset at that particular uh, snub there for that nomination so which also, is rare because normally I get upset about actors that get snubbed and this year yeah. I was like no that director should have Denny Denny got snubbed so yeah. also Katrina Balf got snubbed as well for her performance she was not nominated what was she in again Belfast that's right she was in Belfast yep. um, which you have not seen no but I'm gonna okay I can't she's good wait in, she's good in that movie I will say she's yeah, she's probably definitely one of the highlights of acting in that movie. So that was a little okay. surprising that she did get snubbed. Ruth Nega also got snubbed and Lady Gaga as well for her performance in House of Gucci. Not in yep. there. So, And then we had a few movies that did not receive nominations that we thought might get nominations. That would be In the Heights, The Green Knight, and The French Dispatch. All yes. snubbed. I, I didn't see The Green Knight. I know, I know a couple guys that saw it. I know my brother saw it. Um, he told me I likely wouldn't like it just because he knows me pretty well. But I had a friend that was obsessed with that movie and was really upset that it didn't get nominated for anything. I would say just based on what I heard about it, I'm not surprised it didn't get nominated. But I am also not basing that on my own experience because I haven't seen it. I'm not surprised either because it didn't really have make a huge splash at like festivals and stuff. And then when it came out in theaters, I think I saw it. But I think, you know, 20 people saw it total. So... That was kind of surprising that it, you know, it, I don't think it was going to get nominated anyway because just not enough people saw it and it really wasn't, right. it had, didn't have like a huge buzz on social media or anything like that. So the best picture nominees though, there are 10, 10. this year if yep. I counted correctly. So the Academy yep. said we're going all in. Also, we had uh, Leslie Jordan and 
oh, what's I can never remember her name from Blackish that from Blackish. Uh, uh, the she, really cute. They, oh, oh, Tracy Ellis Ross. Tracy Ellis Ross. They yes, were the ones Diana that Ross's daughter. They yeah. were the ones that announced the nominations, and they okay. did okay. Leslie Leslie Jordan really struggled uh, with certain categories, so really? I don't know if they let him read it beforehand or what. I don't think they did because he was. I watched it live and they were just having a little bit of an issue and then he like wasn't reading the prompter right so he would like talk when Tracy Ellis Ross was supposed to talk and she was like Leslie you're stealing my lines so <laughs> Jared I do feel like uh, people should know I think I'm still stuck in 2020 like early pandemic days because I didn't even remember the day that the Oscar nominations were coming out Jared texted me I was fully like in immersed in work and he said the nominations came out and then he warned me because he said, don't look up as nominated for best picture. And I was like, I'm going to need a minute. <laughs> yes. So our best picture nominees, The Power of the Dog, Belfast, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, which is a foreign film that yep. we didn't really know much about before. They nope. got a lot of nominations, though. Uh, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, Coda, Dune, King Richard and West Side Story. And if you're curious, we have episodes on The Power of the Dog, Coda, Dune, and West Side Story. We'll be covering And Don't Nightmare- Look Up. And Don't Look Up. We'll be covering yep. Nightmare Alley in our next episode, and then we're going to cover Licorice Pizza down the road too. So, yes. and Belfast. So, yes. those will all be episodes that you'll be able to hear on the on the podcast. The Oscars will air on March 27th. It's late this year. Super Bowl's later. The Olympics happening right now. So, the Oscars pushed so that will be a little bit later on this year that we get the Oscars at the end of March. We should also mention that this movie that we're about to review is nominated for three Oscars. Nicole Kidman, Javier Bardem, and J.K. Simmons all nominated for their performances in this movie. I will say one thing that made me very happy about the Oscar nominations, I think that might be the most unique um, variety of Best Picture nominations I've seen in years, uh, both for people like movies that revolve around people of color or movies that some are like thrillers, psychological thrillers, some are comedies, dark comedies, some are like not memoirs, but you know, just a a big variety in a way I don't normally see. I feel like every year it's like we're doing silent films this year or we're doing movies about Hollywood or we're doing movies with like colorful musicals a la 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 land. So anyway, I'm excited about the best picture nominations and Jared and I are still dedicated, even if we don't think the Academy is always above board yeah only thing i would say is the academy is always like we want more people to watch our show we want more people to be interested in the oscars and they don't nominate spider-man for best i mean that could have easily gotten a best picture nomination it probably wouldn't have won but it was the biggest movie of the year critics loved it audiences loved it and to see it just like shut out except for visual effects was again it's like the academy that's insane it's like try if you're trying to be more relevant maybe give some love to the biggest movie of the year and then people will tune in and be like, oh, Spider-Man might win Best Picture. It wouldn't. Right. I mean, it probably wouldn't, but to just give it a nomination would be, you know, to kind of create some buzz. So, right. Because I think all these movies combined made, I don't know, $7 million <laughs> at the box office. I mean, half of them came out streaming exclusive. So, yeah. So there we go. Uh, no recommendations on this episode. We'll do those on our next episode where we talk about Nightmare Alley. No corrections as well. So we'll just move into our review of Being the Ricardos. This was released on December 10th, limited release, and then a wide release on December 21st. It's also on Amazon Prime Video. So if you want to watch it there, you can check it out on Prime. 
and it's rated R for language. It's two hours and 11 minutes. And then IMDb, it's a 6.6 .6 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, critics, 68%. Audience, 75%. And there's no box office information. It was very limited release. Again, to like we said on a previous episode, to get nominated for Oscars, you have to release your movie for like two weeks in one of the five biggest cities in America. I don't know why yep. that's a rule, but it is. So that's what they did with this one. Uh, the synopsis is a, reveal a revealing glimpse of the couple's complex romantic and professional relationship. The film takes audiences behind closed doors with Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz during one critical production week of their groundbreaking sitcom, I Love. Love Lucy. Jared, I think it's time that I ask, did you watch I Love Lucy growing up? Or have you are you familiar with the show? Yes, I did watch it growing okay. up. Um and I actually okay. turned on an episode. There's it's on Hulu, certain episodes. Um yes. I turned on an episode of it after I watched this movie because there's some of my dislikes that I wanted to make sure were actual dislikes, and then after comparing it to a real episode of I Love Lucy, I confirmed that those dislikes were my dislikes with the movie so ah very cool well i love i love lucy i also grew up watching it i wouldn't say i've seen every episode but i've definitely seen probably 80 percent of them um i especially remember vitamina vegemin the chocolate episode stomping the grapes, grapes episode yep. in italy i mean all of those are are iconic and lucille ball her comedic timing was impeccable i mean as a woman who loves acting and comedy i really look up to her. I did not know she had such a kind of difficult attitude at times. I also think part of that's unfair because I've been listening to a podcast that Turner Classic Movie puts out. I'll get the exact name so I can recommend it. But um, they are covering her life, like her early life and how she even got into acting. And it's pretty remarkable the stuff she had to live through. Um, and she got turned down, I don't even know how many times by all sorts of acting schools and auditions and stuff. So I I don't know that she should really be, because everybody keeps saying she was difficult. Um, but I, I think she left a really great legacy, at least for comedic uh, people. And then also that podcast is called The Plot Thickens. Again, Turner Classic Movie puts it out. And Ben Mankiewicz hosts it. It's really good. There's eight episodes or 10 episodes, I think, about her early life. The other thing, too, that you have to like realize with I Love Lucy is it was such a groundbreaking sitcom. I mean, absolutely cover in the movie, the fact that she gets pregnant in real life and how they're going to yep. deal with that on the show. She's, you know, her husband on the show and in real life is Desi Arnaz, who yeah. is not white. So that was a big nope. deal at the time. Cuban. Um, and you know. he was spectacular. <laughs> he was a spectacular performer. Yeah. Yep. So a lot of things on that show that were kind of interesting dynamics. You had like mm -hmm. Fred and Ethel who, you know, there was an age gap there in their marriage. So, and they also the actors, the the man that played Fred hated Vivian Vance, <laughs> who played. No, he like he was yeah. evil to her. Yeah, and um, that's she. That's portrayed I'm happy in to this say, movie as well. Yeah, and she. I'm happy to say though, I have read multiple sources that say that she kind of laughed it off and just was a professional about it. And to me, that's really pretty remarkable. Way to go, Vivian Vance. So some critics' reviews for this movie. First up, Barry Hertz of Globe and Mail, who said, Kidman's casting might not be the move that some anticipated, but it's the move that Ball's legacy deserves. The trouble is the film Kidman signed on for is not quite there. So I have a, a lot in our likes and dislikes about Nicole Kidman in this. Because yes. I have very mixed feelings about it as well. 
Next up is Stephanie Zacharek of Time Magazine, who said, if Lucy, if Lucy and Ricky seemed average in a 1950s way on TV, being the Ricardos shows exactly how unaverage the performers who played them were. And then finally, we have Katie Walsh of Tribune News Service, who says, the acting is not the problem, not by a long shot. In fact, the actors are the best part of this otherwise poorly executed film which actively works against whatever insights it may have wanted to impart about lucy desi and their influential television show yeah this is just uh there's a lot we'll say in likes and dislikes about (laughs) this movie so it's directed by aaron sorkin he also wrote this movie you probably know him he has a career of writing and directing he also wrote and directed the trial of the chicago seven which we have an episode on he wrote the social network a few good men and also the west wing he has been nominated for four screenplay oscars 2011 he won a best adapted screenplay oscar for the social network Next up, he's writing a TV movie version of A Few Good Men. So, I love the movie A Few Good Men. Also, it's rare. I don't I don't remember if this movie No, this movie did not get a screenwriting nomination, screenplay nomination for his screenplay for this. Ugh, so, it's so good and we reference like the You Can't Handle the Truth is how many times a day? Not a day, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I hear that often and I don't I'm not a Tom Cruise fan personally I'm not a Jack Nicholson fan I think he's a great actor but like as a person I don't want to know him but there's a lot of people I don't like love uh personally but in that film they all just shined and Demi Moore was fantastic that movie was to me lightning in a bottle I absolutely love that movie so we'll take a quick break here on the Silver Screen Podcast we'll come back and then talks about our likes and dislikes on the cast for being the Ricardos And we're back here on the Silver Screen Podcast talking about being the Ricardos. Not a large cast in this movie, but some very heavy hitters acting-wise. The first one of those is Nicole Kidman, who plays Lucille Ball. Thank you, Jared. Uh, Nicole Kidman is best known for Moulin Rouge, The Hours, Rabbit Hole, and many TV series including Big Little Lies, Top of the Lake, The Undoing, and Nine Perfect Strangers. Uh, Basically, she was half of the repertoire of things I watched during the pandemic. Um... Anyway, she's been nominated for five acting Oscars. And in 2003, she won a Best Actress Oscar for her role in The Hours, where she played Virginia Woolf. What a sad end for Virginia. Next up, you can see her in Aquaman in the Last Kingdom, The Northman, and the TV series Expats. Okay, Nicole. Aqu- Aquaman in the Last Kingdom. Get, yep. get that check. You know, she does that. She'll do these projects that are like require a lot of really serious character work and, and hard, you know, difficult acting roles. And then she'll do something like that. Hey, I, I feel like she she does this a lot, which is fine. You're absolutely right. Get that money. But I do think it's interesting. The stuff she'll like she'll be in like a blockbuster and then she'll do an independent thing that like three people see. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. <laughs> um, but she she's earned her career and she can also um, choose what she wants to be in. So good for her. Next up, we have Javier Bardem. He plays Desi Arnaz. He is best known for Beautiful, Skyfall, Dune, and No Country for Old Men. He has been nominated for four acting Oscars. And in 2008, he won a Best Supporting Actor Oscar for No Country for Old Men. Next up, you can see him in The Little Mermaid, Dune Part 2, he's playing Stilgar, and The Bride of Frankenstein, which I was intrigued about. And also, um, well, I can I can talk about that later in our likes and dislikes, but uh, I think Javier Bardem is incredibly talented. Uh, he is not 
physically someone I'm attracted to, but I will go see a movie just to see him act because he is that good. Yeah, he's very solid in just about everything. Yes. And this movie also does have an all-star cast. And if you don't recognize a name, I guarantee you recognize their face. This movie is also starring J.K. Simmons, Nina Arianda, Arianda, excuse me, Tony Hale, Aaliyah Shawkat, and Jack Lacey. Yes, it's kind of like a uh, Arrested Development Veep reunion because you have <laughs> Ollie yeah. Shawkat and Tony Hale who are in Arrested Development. And then the guy that plays Jonah on Veep is also in this movie. I forget his name, but he's one of the writers. Ah, and him and okay. Tony Hale are on Veep together. So wow. it all well, that comes was... full circle. <laughs> yes. So when we review Nightmare Alley, almost everybody in that movie has been in another movie or TV show with the rest of the cast. And then they all are in the same upcoming projects. So yeah, that's stay wild. tuned for that when we review Nightmare Alley. So some likes and dislikes now for this movie. Um, the first like is that it's... Uh, you know, a movie about Hollywood, it's a movie about television, which is always interesting, especially during this time period. It was kind of the golden age, one of the golden ages of television. Mm -hmm. You had a lot of great sitcoms on the air. This was one of them. And so it's always cool to revisit that time period and kind of see what that was like. Yes. And it was nice that they paid tribute to a female who did such a, who left such an impact on Hollywood. And then also her husband, who was Cuban and, you know, wasn't nearly as accepted or appreciated as he would be today, hopefully. Um, So I also, I don't agree with the Academy always rewarding movies about Hollywood and the golden age of Hollywood and white people everywhere. But I personally love movies that revolve around the golden age of Hollywood and this this time period where things were changing and there were movers and shakers like Lucy making the crazy decision to get pregnant in real life. And then it sparked this whole debate on, oh, my gosh, can we show the American public this thing that happens to 50 percent of our population all the time? Yeah, that was, uh, you know, a, that was a big storyline in this movie that they were, how they were the they're going to address the pregnancy and CBS did not want it to be in the episodes. And they were basically like, well, we kind of have to put that in there. Otherwise we're going to not be able to shoot episodes. So I knew (laughs) that was a big deal at the time, Jared, but I thought my brain was going to explode listening to those conversations. It was her and a bunch of men. And I think the, the female writer it was in the room, but they were all talking about, we can't show America this. And I'm just thinking like women are pregnant all the time. Even if they didn't show it on TV, it was still happening everywhere. And it was also post baby boom. I mean, if you think like half the nation was not pregnant, you would be mistaken. And the fact that they even said, could we say pregnant or what word should we use? And how can we cover it up with her clothing? And I just thought this is ridiculous. There are so many other things to worry about. Like if they're going to go after communists, like maybe focus on that and not just pregnant women. Also, the cast in this movie is really solid. Obviously, they've got a lot of, you know, big actors here. Nicole Kidman, Javier Bardem, J.K. Simmons. Uh, I will say I thought that my favorite performances were J.K. Simmons as Fred and then probably Javier Bardem as Desi. I did not really like Lucille Ball and Nicole Kidman's portrayal of that. We'll talk about that more in dislikes. But I think my two highlights were J.K. Simmons and then Javier. I loved both of those two. I definitely liked Javier as Desi. Um, I enjoyed the um, acting. I'm looking up her name because I don't know her like you know her. Ali- uh, uh, oh, Ali Shawcott. Yeah. 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 Um, is it Aaliyah? I think it's Aaliyah. It, uh, I, it might be. I'm not well, sure. Well, either way, I thought she 
I really liked the banter she had back and forth with other writers and how she, I mean, part of it, I think I just liked that there was a female in the writer's room, but I thought that she did a really good job kind of um, making sure to take up space in her scenes, even if she had a somewhat limited role. Another like for this movie is that the costumes are really cool. The makeup, the hairstyling, all that is really well done in this film. And that's to be expected. It's a movie about TV production and, you know, TV production was very glamorous back in those days. And so they they made sure to highlight that in, in the movie. Yeah. And I so I've heard a lot of people talk about how Nicole Kidman and Javier don't look like the people that they're portraying. I would agree with that. I even think with the makeup and stuff, it really didn't it didn't change their bone structure. But I did think that what they did with them as far as like working with their hair, Nicole Kidman too. like I I don't remember. I don't really know what they did to her face. But it looked fantastic. Like, everything looked wonderful. Um, The costumes especially. I could not take my eyes off the costumes. And then the sets, like seeing these old director's chairs and these different uh, movie movie cameras that they would use that look so different than the ones we're using today. I thought that was really interesting. They did a really beautiful job with the set design. Uh, Another like is that it was cool to see them when they were actually recording the show. That was neat. This is one of my likes and dislikes for the movie. Mm. I thought those shots were cool. I could have done without the flashbacks, though. We know Lucy and Desi. We know kind of that. You know, we don't I don't think we need to set up their relationship in this movie. And Aaron Sorkin decided to do that. And I think he could have chopped 20 minutes off without those scenes. And then the movie would have been shorter, which would have been better overall. So I would have just stuck to, I would have just stuck to, it's a week of production on I Love Lucy. We're going to start on the first day. We're going to end on the last day. And that's kind of going to be how we do it. Almost like kind of how uh, the movie Steve Jobs has done, which he wrote, where it's like three three product launches for Apple. And those are just going to be the three things we like that movie. We didn't need a backstory on Steve Jobs. Everybody knows who he is. Same thing with this, like Lucy and Desi, you know who they are. I feel like we didn't need to really do like a ton of character development, which he focused on in this movie for some reason. So I agree with you on part of that and disagree with you on some of it. I absolutely think you are spot on that. It was like he was trying to cram too much into one film. I personally am very interested in how Lucy and Desi fell in love and also how their marriage dissolved. And then also because they were married 20 years before they divorced. And then also the fact that they, you know, they had to fight with like racial stereotypes and bigotry and stuff and people being sexist. I mean, so much going on within their relationship that I think that's fascinating. But I agree with you, Jared. This movie was supposed to be around one weekend production and also about the when everybody was looking for who was a communist and trying to get people out of television if they were a communist and supporting that movement. So I think Aaron Sorkin tried to do too much and it was just completely unnecessary and made the movie too long. I will say I loved the flashbacks to or not not flashbacks when they were going to show the scenes where they're actually recording the show. I loved that because I think it highlighted how Lucille Ball was so good at comedy and a lot of that was her own her own design and her own thought process. I thought that showed how intelligent she was, how confident she was in speaking up um you know about what was the best uh what made the most sense for the scene. So I thought that that was crucial to put in the film, but I completely agree with you that they could have cut out the backstory of how they fell in love because that's not what the movie is focusing on. 
yeah, I did like that. Those scenes in particular, the one where she, like Fred and Ethel and her come to the soundstage and it's like 3 a.m. And she's like, you really need to nail down this scene of how you guys are going to bump into each other at the table. So she's like teaching them how to do it. And then it cuts to the actual shot of it in, you know, like when they filmed it for the show and right. how they got the movements out. So I thought that was a cool sequence. And I thought that was cool by Sorkin to kind of put that in there that way and communicate that to the audience in that way. I thought that was really neat. And I thought, like you said, the, the scenes during the show were cool. So uh, obviously we talked about the communist accusations a little bit. That was a big part of the movie as well is that Lucy had been accused of being a communist. Um, and so there was a lot of uh, research into that and the newspapers got a hold of it and it was going to affect a lot of things. And obviously back in that time period, news moved much slower and stuck around for a lot longer. So it wasn't like yes. a, like today that news would be like, you know, it would that would obviously be big news if that came out for a celebrity. But celebrity news nowadays lasts like a day and then we're on to the next thing. But in that time period, the star of the biggest show on television being accused of that was a, a big deal in this movie. And they kind of highlighted that a lot. Yes, I completely agree with you. And yeah, the communist thing, I don't have much to say about that except... If you are interested in the Turner Classic Movies podcast, I recommended The Plot Thickens. They do address that. And I also liked in the movie that they pointed out why Lucille Ball was even affiliated with the Communist Party. I think that whole time in history is bizarre that that was on people's minds. But I think a lot of that has to do with my age. And, you know, Jared, while you and I have been alive, that hasn't affected our lives. Um, it probably was a lot scarier back during, like, McCarthyism and that whole crap. Also, the... <laughs> Yeah, yep. So, also the dialogue's really good in this movie. Sorkin yeah. wrote the script. Obviously, that's going to be the case. Uh, he's really... That's his. That's a strong suit, writing a screenplay, and he does a pretty good job in this movie mm -hmm. um, with the script, as usual. Yes. Completely agree. Couldn't say it better myself. He does a fantastic job with writing. Okay, on to dislikes now for this movie. First dislike. This movie is too long. It's too, I know you probably think, man, they so talk about long. that like every episode. But there are so many movies that we talk about that could be shortened by 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. I also think we talk about it every episode because it's a problem we have now. We have we think we have to make movies two and a half hours long for it to be like Oscar bait. And that's just not necessary. And if anything, I think people include crap that we don't need when you could make a much better film in an hour and a half. And it's weird to me that we're doing that when the attention span of humans is getting much worse. So... That's crazy to me. It's very, like, backwards. Yeah, um, and that's one of my... We'll talk about Belfast, like, in a couple of weeks, but that's one thing I really like about Belfast is I think, if I remember correctly, it's like an hour and 45 minutes. So Excellent. That's it, what it should be. You know, it gets in, it gets out. It's an hour and 38 minutes, actually. I just looked it up. It's even shorter than I thought. So, wow. you know, that's, that's great for that type of movie, and I think this type of movie could have been an hour 45, an hour 30. And again, if you just focus on those aspects of... The production and that week of production and handling that, I think that would have flowed better as a movie. So, yes. Uh, also, my biggest dislike with this movie, this is my number one thing that's going to knock down my Tell score. Me. Tell is me it all. There is so much footage of Lucille Ball in I Love Lucy. There's so many episodes for you to watch. There's so many episodes for you to dissect. And for some reason... One, I don't think Nicole Kidman was the right person to play Lucy. But yeah. two, she plays this performance like she plays every other performance of Nicole. It's not really a Nicole Kidman problem. It's just what you get with Nicole Kidman. This is going to be kind of understated. It's not going to be very flashy. It's not going to be yeah. very flamboyant. And Lucille Ball is 
the opposite is all those things. And Nicole Kidman is kind of the exact opposite. Like even in the early yeah. in the movie, she says, I, um, she says someone, I forget exactly, but she's like, I don't do jokes. I do physical comedy or something like that. Like that she makes it a point to say, that's kind of my bread and butter of what I do. And then I watched an episode of I Love Lucy, like I said, after I watched this movie and it, they were, it was just a random episode I picked, but her and uh, Desi were moving yes. a TV down the stairs to give it to Fred and Ethel. And there's uh-huh. just so much physical comedy in there. And I feel like this movie just did not lose, like she needed to be more animated than she was a lot more animated than she was. I mm-hmm. thought she just did not play that role very well. And it's surprising me that she got an Oscar nomination for it because it, the way she portrayed Lucy yeah. and the way Lucy was is like not accurate at all. <laughs> Jared, I'm with you. I I'm a big Nicole Kidman fan. I think she is a fantastic actress. She's kind of one of those people, not quite like Kate Blanchett, but where if she's in a movie or a show, I expect it to be good. I just I have just come to expect that from her. But and I like her personally. She seems wonderful. I don't like her for this role either. And a part of me thinks they picked it because they knew she looked good with red hair. That sounds so stupid, but we've seen it in Moulin Rouge. And I was like, they probably just thought, oh my gosh, Nicole Kidman can totally work this. Okay, well, so could Emma Stone. But Emma Stone doesn't look like Lucille Ball, but she could have gotten the comedy. So I just thought that was a strange choice. And I did think Javier, I will say Javier was, to me, fantastic. And I thought he did a great job with learning bongos, singing. He did a lot of the stuff that Desi was truly talented at. But I even thought that was weird because he's Spanish and Desi was Cuban. And that's part of the problem we hear about in West Side Story. Like you can't pick other people that are not Puerto Rican to play Puerto Rican roles. Um, I don't mean that quite as a dig. I'm just saying I thought the casting for this was bizarre. Um, And Nicole Kidman, to me, did not carry it off. I agree with you, Jared. The comedy just wasn't there. Um, I also definitely think that she should not have received an Oscar nomination. And that, to me, is in a nutshell, the Academy's problem. Like, specifically picking Nicole Kidman is the kind of stuff they do year after year where we see pretty white people talking about Hollywood and they get an Oscar nod. And someone else should have gotten that nod, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like they were kind of like, okay, there's four actresses in Hollywood who are redheads. What are they all doing? Oh, well, Emma Stone's doing Cruella. Jessica Chastain is in the eyes of Tammy Faye. Yeah. Bryce Dallas Howard is filming the new Jurassic World movie. So that leaves us <laughs> with Nicole Kidman. And that's how they decided on the that they were going to have her in this movie. So Don't make me laugh. But you're right. You're absolutely right. <laughs> like that's the, the process they came to. So. <laughs> Um, another dislike is this is kind of overrated. A lot of people were like, some people were really raving about this. You said yes! you heard from people that people loved it. And I was like, I heard it was okay, but not great. But your, your group or your things that you read online kind of said other, otherwise that it was like the best movie of the year. <laughs> yeah. So that, this is definitely my, my dislike. And it's my final one that I could think of. I definitely... I know two people. I won't say who it was because I disagree with them, but they raved about this. They were like, oh, my gosh, you have to go watch this. This is the best. You have to buy a Prime membership just so you can, like, watch this movie. And I considered that. Um, But I did not think it was worth that praise. I thought it was good. I thought it's enjoyable. It's a nice – it's a great movie to watch at home. Like, it really is. It's a great – date night family night movie night probably not probably not family depending on the age of the kids yeah probably not family but movie. either way like well but if they're 18 or something you know yeah that's I don't know. fine <laughs> anyway um i just thought it was extremely overrated for what it was i did find it interesting i do think for the most part it was well executed but it was not worth the hype <laughs> like calm down 
My final dislike before we move on to grades is uh, Aaliyah Shawcott's character. Yes. I liked her character in the movie. She was like standing up for herself. She was, you know, a woman in a writer's room in the 50s and 60s, which was, you know, uncommon at that time period. All that great stuff. But then at the end of the movie, she just kind of like folds to company pressure and higher up pressure. And I didn't like that that. her storyline resolved that way after she was such like a force throughout the movie. She was just like, you know what? Yeah, if that's what you want to do, then we'll do that. Okay, it's great. Let's hug. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of like how that ended. So (laughs) yeah, I think you're right. I yeah, I I liked her witty repartee going back and forth with people. But I agree with you. In the end, she ultimately didn't really stand up for her convictions, I guess. Okay, so time for grades for this episode. Um, I'm going to score this one at a 62 out of 100. So, okay. Didn't love it. Again, the Nicole Kidman thing brings it down like probably 30 points for me. And you're, I, you know, the iconic role in the movie is just not played very well. And I don't think, again, like I said, I don't think it's, a, it's particularly a Nicole Kidman problem. It's more that I don't think she was the right person to play this role. And mm-hmm. they, and Aaron Sorkin and whoever decided on her shouldn't have known that based on what she was in previously and based on what Lucille Ball is like, was like in her actual performance in I Love Lucy. Yeah. Jared, I think that that's completely fair. Um, I am scoring this at a 71. Definitely not my favorite movie of the year. And everything I just said, it's, it's enjoyable enough. It's great to watch at home. Um, if you're an I Love Lucy fan, which I am, or if you just like that that particular time in Hollywood and that kind of show, definitely a movie you want to watch. Um, and I learned from it, and I thought the acting was good. But yeah, I definitely think Kidman was not the right person for this, and I think that Sorkin was trying to cover too much ground in a movie. And if he really wanted to talk about their love story, he should have made two movies or a miniseries or a documentary or something. So yeah, 71. So that's our thoughts on being the Ricardos and you can follow the silver screen podcast on social media at podcast silver on Twitter and Instagram. Just search the silver screen podcast on Facebook and be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcast. That really helps us out. Our next episode will be another Oscar nominated movie, another best picture nominated movie. That's nightmare alley directed by Guillermo del Toro. You may remember his last big Oscar movie was the shape of water, which was definitely an odd little movie. I Uh, liked it. This, this movie it was is, weird, but I liked it. This mo- movie is much more uh, accessible and approachable than that one was. So, yeah. um, But we'll talk about that on our next episode of the Silver Screen Podcast. Until next time, we'd like to thank the Academy.